Hello and welcome to The Victory Bell, the podcast. I am your host, Paul Oren, the founder and editor of thevictorybell.com, a website and newsletter dedicated to Valparaiso University Athletics. If you're not a subscriber, please go to thevictorybell.com. $5.99 a month, $59.99 for the entire year. Gets you all of the content that we've got out there. Stories get emailed directly to you whenever they come out. You get access to the full archive at thevictorybell.com. If you're looking to find me on social media, I'm at the artist formerly known as Twitter. Uh, you can find me TVB Oren on Twitter, and you can find the Victory Bell on Instagram at the Victory Bell. Big episode today. It's homecoming week at Valparaiso University, which is always one of my favorite weeks. Uh, I love homecoming weekend. I love, but the lead up to it is great. I love watching alumni slowly trickle back into town. This year promises to be huge. A pair of big 20-year reunions taking place this weekend. The football team will be celebrating their 2003 PFL championship. We've got a a story coming on later on this week about that. I would tell you, uh, go to ValpoAthletics.com and check out the story that was written there by Brandon Vickery. A really good piece put together. i got to top that one. Uh, Really good. Uh, And then I'll have a piece... On that team, I'll also have a piece on the volleyball team, their 20-year reunion, finally getting over the hump, winning in the mid-con tournament, an amazing story. If you don't know the story, get to thevictorybell.com in the next day or two. I'll have that. Just great words from a lot of the former players, as well as Karen Avery, and it's a fascinating story around the 2003 volleyball, mid-con volleyball tournament, Valpo winning, going to the NCAA tournament, playing Nebraska, the team that just hosted 92,000 people in a football stadium, and Valpo got a chance to play them in the NCAA tournament. That's not all that's happening this weekend. The action actually started this week already. Men's and women's golf in action. The men's golf team in their home tournament right now at Sand Creek. Women's golf at Ball State. Thursday, and this is just really sad to me. Really, the most one of the most electrifying teams on campus right now is the women's soccer team. And because of the way the Missouri Valley Conference schedule shakes out, Valpo women's soccer is on the road to start conference play this weekend. They're at Evansville on Thursday and at Indiana State on Sunday. So they're going to miss all the festivities. Friday, Karen Avery will be honored. And you'll hear about this a little bit later on in the pod. We've got Aaron Levitt, who's going to join us. Karen will be honored for becoming the all-time winningest coach at Valparaiso University, and that's when the volleyball team will be taking on Missouri State at 6 p.m. on Friday night. Saturday is one of the most jam-packed days really in Valpo history. Here is a lit- the litany of events that are taking place. The swim programs are going to kick things off at 8 in the morning with the alumni meet, their annual alumni meet. Women's tennis will have their first of two matches at 9 a.m. against Purdue Northwest. They'll be back in action at 3 p.m. against Indiana Wesleyan. The softball team will have a doubleheader against Goshen at 11 a.m. This is their fall exhibition games. Football takes on Marist at noon, and then volleyball will wrap it all up on Saturday night against Southern Illinois at 6 p.m. There will be just a ton of stuff going on on campus for the football game. There's going to be a beer garden, tailgate parties, all sorts of stuff. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, Really, really looking forward to that. 
It will be Valpo football's home opener, and uh, they've played two games already. We're going to talk about that in a second, and I will tell you, uh, it's going to be so fun to have the guys back from from the 2003 football team and also to have the women back from the 2003 volleyball team. I, I didn't even really think about this until I started digging into the stats. There is a chance, and we'll bring Aaron Levitt in, in a little bit to talk about this, that the 2003-2004 athletic season at Valpo was the greatest single year in program history. And we're on the 20-year anniversary of that. So Aaron will join the podcast in a little bit to talk about that. We'll go through some of the great years in program history, in in, in school history. But for my money, 2003-2004 is near the top, if not the top. And we'll break all that down here in a little bit when longtime media relations guru Aaron Levitt, who was a student during that time, working for media relations, working, doing a little bit of everything here. And Aaron's been around you know, as, as long, I mean, continuously longer than I have, and uh, and we'd be thrilled to have him on the pod here in a little bit. I do want to talk about football for a second. You know, this past week was, oh, it was relaxing because it was like a bye week for soccer, a bye week for football, volleyball was out of town, and so it was kind of like the calm before the storm, um, but I, I, I will tell you, I needed it. I needed it because I had to rest up after a near-death experience on the football field at Indiana Wesleyan. And let me tell you that story. Um, I've, I've tweeted about it a little bit. I wrote about it a little bit, but I'll tell you from my perspective what happened. Uh, Indiana Wesleyan, Valpo's playing there. This was on September uh, September 9th at Indiana Wesleyan. Valpo fell 24-22 in a, uh, in a hard-fought, very crazy game. Mikey Apple Jr., Valpo's quarterback, threw five interceptions, and I would be willing to say that maybe one of them was was like a bad pass, maybe. And, and even then, I don't know that any of them were bad passes. I think uh, sometimes the stats tell the story, and sometimes the, the stats don't tell the story. But my story from that night was, so I get there. I had already informed Indiana Wesleyan that I was I was coming put my name on the list. I had a media pass. I had all the stuff that you need. I did everything you have to do. And I get there and I go up to, and it's a beautiful facility. Beautiful. Had a chance to see Greg Tonigal for a little bit. Fantastic. Former Valpo basketball player who's now been the head coach at Indiana Wesleyan for a long time. Had a chance to see him. He's doing great. And I get up there. I go to the this immaculate press box, right? It's, it's a very, very nice facility. And I get up there and you know, it's always kind of weird as a as a media member that covers a particular school. You go on a road game. Um, you know, again, I I want Valpo to do well, but I'm not going to sit there in the press box and cheer for Valpo. I don't, you know, I don't I don't cheer for Valpo. And so I get up there and I ask, you know, where's where's the media sit? And they kind of looked at me like I just walked off the moon. And uh, and they said, well, you're with the ra- you're with your radio guys. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not, you know, on the radio crew, and that is just a really small room, in with the coaches, and I'm not trying to sit by the coaches, right? I'm a, I'm a media member, a press member in the press box, and uh, long story short, they basically blew me off, and um, and 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 said, well, we don't have any room for you, 
And I don't know who all sits up in the press box, but it wasn't all press, I'll tell you that much. So, in 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 my previous life as a uh, reporter for the Northwest Indiana Times, I would have really fought hard on this because I needed to be in front would need to be in front of my computer. I'd have to send a story right when the game ended, follow along on social media and all the stuff that they wanted us to do for that. But you know. I, I don't really have a deadline with the victory bell. And, um, and so I was like, okay, I'll go walk the sideline. And so I did that and it was awesome. I got a chance to, to be on the sideline and, and, and see Charles small down there. That was really nice. And, and, uh, and really just spent some time there and I'm walking up and down the sideline during the course of the game. And now Landon Fox might not have any idea why I'm on the sideline. The players are like, why is the media guy down here? You know, or maybe they're not paying any attention whatsoever. You know, a lot of times in life, we think people are paying attention to us when really they're not. So long story short, it's uh, I've been on plenty of sidelines in my life. I know that you're always supposed to keep your eye on the field. Never take your eyes off the ball. Never take your eyes off the field because you never know what might happen. And uh, and we've how many times have we seen photographers get trucked over on the sideline or anything like that? So I'm, I'm paying all attention to this and I'm not holding a giant camera in front of me. So I'm, I'm able to see what's going on. So late in the third quarter, uh, Motezo, uh, kickoff returner for Valpo, um, he, uh, he, he rips one off and, and, uh, he catches the ball at about the five and breaks it up field. I'm standing at the 22 yard line and he gets past me and, and continues on to like the 35 or 40 yard line. When he passes me, the most of the action passes me as well. And I am now my eyes, while I'm standing at the 22-yard line, my eyes have shifted upfield to the 30-yard line. And what I don't see is Jake Vickers, Valpo's starting tight end, blocking a Indiana Wesleyan player right off the field directly into me. And I go flying. And I, I stumble to the ground and, uh, you know, I tumble on my leg. I land with my left hand, like all of my weight on top of my, my left hand with my palm facing up. But I still, I mean, it's been, it's been nine days and my, my left hand is still pretty tender. My leg is fine now, but, uh, I popped up off the ground and I was ready to give me a helmet. I am ready to get in the game. And, uh, I haven't been hit like that in, and maybe ever. I mean, two giant guys come barreling into me and I go flying and, you know, my leg was sore for a couple of days, but, you know, in the moment I, I felt no pain. In the moment I wanted to go back out, give me a helmet, give me some shoulder pads. I want in. And uh, I said this on Twitter. I said, it's not like I've, I didn't have respect for football players already, but I certainly have more today or after experiencing that because that hurt like hell and it was pretty routine. And those guys experience that every single play, every single game, every single practice. And man, you got to be tough to play that sport. And I and 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 I don't think I maybe realized until that moment just how hard hitting that contact is. Now I didn't have a helmet on, I didn't have pads on, but still, I mean you saw what happened to Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns. You get the wrong hit at the wrong time, your leg explodes. And so my hat's off to to every guy who who steps on the field and straps it up and plays football because, man, I know I'm 43, but I was sore 
for a couple days after that hit. And But I'll also tell you this, that hit made me feel alive in ways that I haven't felt alive in a long time. So uh, I'm not ruling out trying to use my remaining eligibility to get on the football field because I want to feel that again. Um, it was awesome. So much stuff to get to here uh, this week, different stories. I'll have, um, again, a volleyball story, a football story. Uh, we'll have a, a look at uh, Coach Cook, um, kind of what homecoming is going to feel like without him, and, uh, and and really just a lot of content here at the Victory Bell. Very excited for homecoming. It's a it's just my favorite, favorite. It's like Christmas, right? It's my favorite time of the year, mostly because you never know who you're going to see. You never know which alums are going to come back, and you get to hear about their marriages. You get to hear about their children. You get to hear about their lives away from the game, but you also get to see them maybe share that with their significant others, with their children, and, and point to the field and point to the court and say, that's where mommy and daddy used to play. And and that, to me, is awesome. And I love homecoming for that reason and many other reasons. But looking forward to it, um, you know, someone that I've, I've spent a lot of homecomings with over the last 20 years has been Aaron Levitt. So I'm going to be, I'm going to turn it over to him right now, uh, the resident historian of Valparaiso University. And I, uh, let me, let me just very quickly pause for a second here before we go to Aaron. There's been a lot of scuttlebutt in college athletics over the last week or two about the role of the sports information director. And I know that Valpo has different titles for different things or or everything like that, but that's been traditionally the title, sports information director, media relations, things like that. Um, Brandon Vickery and Aaron Levitt don't need me to go public to tell everybody how great they are. They they know how great they are, but I'm going to do it anyway. These two guys, uh, and, and it's it's not lip service. It is they're genuinely phenomenal at what they do, and whether it's writing stories like the one Brandon got up, whether it's being able to find the most insane stat and the drop of a dime like Aaron can do. Um, you know, I asked Aaron a couple of days ago, "Would you want to be on this podcast?" And I, I, I briefly mentioned to him what what I was looking for, and and that was it. And he, he said, first of all, he said, sure, as if he doesn't have enough stuff going on this week. He said, sure, anytime. And so uh, right before we were we hit record, he like rattles off all these statistical things that he'd looked up. And, and it's just in, in a lot of the time, he will put together that stuff and give it to me or put it in the media notes or anything like that. And so guys like Todd Eichau and myself sound so much smarter than we actually are because of the work that guys like Aaron do and guys like Brandon do and guys like, and, and people like that all across the country. So um, it really, when I think about homecoming and when I think about the people that are here and I think about the people that I've experienced with, it really made perfect sense to ask Aaron to be on. And I'm sure we'll get Brandon on at some point as well. What those two do for Valpo, uh, there isn't really a price tag that the school can put on it because they are, they are, they're at every game. I mean, I just rattle off a ton of those different events and the consistent theme throughout all of them are going to be those two guys. And obviously plenty of other people, you know, the, the arena managers and the building managers and the athletic trainers and all of that stuff. But but uh, Brandon Vickery and Aaron Levitt, um, take a bow today, take a bow tomorrow and take a bow every day for the work that you do. And, and it really, it, it shouldn't be, it can't be understated, overstated, whatever phrase you want to use. Um, all right, 
If I've, if I've sufficiently made them blush, it's only because they've earned it. So that being said, I want to turn it over to Aaron Levitt. This is a phenomenal conversation that we have to talk about the 2003-2004 athletic season and just how big that fits into the, uh, the history of this university. Thrilled, as we always are when we have a special guest, to welcome in Aaron Levitt, the Assistant Athletic Director for Media Relations at Valparaiso University. Aaron has been around longer in some ways than I have, and uh, pretty much, uh, you know, Todd Eichau, we joked earlier today off-air that Todd has been the most recurring guest on the Victory Bell, the podcast, or Union Street Hoops, but you're, you've are you made some appearances, and I'm happy to have you here today. Aaron, it's Monday of homecoming week. Uh, is it the calm before the storm for you? Yeah, you know, we had a couple kind of lighter weeks. We had a couple teams with buys, so that's kind of nice to catch our breath. Other teams on the road competing, um, but this weekend, a lot of action here at home, um, highlighted by the football homecoming game, obviously, volleyball at home, and then a lot of sports um, competing at home on Saturday in one shape or form. So um, it's going to get busy here, but it's exciting. That's one of the best parts of the job is working the game. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, we joke a lot about uh, like crossover season when you are wrapping up the fall, going into the winter, or wrapping up the winter and going into the uh, the spring as we think about that as the busiest time of the year and it might be from the perspective that you have a bunch of different sports that you're trying to figure out but but the fall especially now right I mean does it get any busier than I mean and you've got soccer that's on the road you got to pay attention to that you got volleyball you've got golf you've got football you've got cross country you've got swimming I mean is it does it get busier than like these couple weekends in September and October when it seems to be that everyone's performing um, I think from the standpoint of when you're looking at um, events crossing over and hosting a lot of home events in a short period of time, I think this might end up being the busiest. Um, you get into the the winter, the basketball schedules are pretty set, and then you know you might have a swim meet here or there on a weekend. Um, home events in the spring, you know, for the most part, baseball, softball, or weekends with the occasional midweek game thrown in. But by the time you get to the spring, there's not as many sports in season. So I think the fall in terms of the number of home events going on, especially once we get start to get toward basketball season. And as you said, swimming, bowling has their home tournament in late October, um, the stretch here. You just look at our event calendar on the athletics website and just how many events are in brown, which signifies home events. And it's seemingly every other day we've got at least someone or other at home uh, in the coming month. Homecoming is going to be a great time this coming weekend. Always look forward to homecoming. Uh, you and I, we've been around long enough that homecoming is special, not only for the heightened meaning of the athletic events that are occurring during that weekend, but the alums that get to come back. Before we jump into the topic of the day, um, do you get to enjoy homecoming from that perspective of seeing alums, or are you just so busy with the current job that you haven't, do you really get to enjoy the aspects of homecoming? Um, not as much as uh, probably the people that come back, obviously the, the running the events has to come first. And, you know, when you get a year like this year where volleyball is at home as well as uh, football, it's a busy kind of 24 hour stretch of events. Um, but there are chances throughout the days to catch up with people for a few minutes here or there. And I, try to take those opportunities as well as I can. There's usually a little lull in between football coming to a close um, and volleyball kicking in that I can catch up with people. So um, 
it's not as homecoming for me as it is maybe for people coming back, but there are those opportunities to get to uh, catch up with uh, old acquaintances. And we always like to look at nice round numbers when we're signifying anniversaries of things. And this one is the 20 year anniversary of the 2003-2004 athletic season. And there's two big reunions that are going on this weekend. Football is coming back. Bunch of alums. Uh, there's a great story on ValpoAthletics.com today. There will be a greater story. I'd like to hope on the victory <laughs> bell, at least one that you're all going to have to pay to read, whereas that Valpo Athletics one is free. Great work there uh, by you guys. Um, and uh, looking at the the significance of, of the 20-year anniversary of that, they're all going to be back to celebrate the PFL title from 2003. The volleyball team has got an anniversary. They got a reunion. Uh, big news coming out of volleyball this week. We'll get to that. But they've got a reunion from really that first NCAA tournament birth, which started a three-year run. Um, and, and then later on this year, and there's not events for this at homecoming, but later on this year, um, we'll, you know, once we get into basketball, there would be uh, the idea of the 20-year anniversary of women's basketball getting to the tournament. Now, they had gotten to it the year before, and then men's basketball got back to the NCAA tournament after a year away from it. Um, it begs the question, where does the 2003-2004 year rank in, in the kind of the history of the university? Uh, we never want to be prisoners of the moment. So 20 years later, we can kind of look back and say, is this one of, if not the greatest season in Valparaiso Athletics history? Um, you know, we looked at some of these one-offs, uh, the Sweet 16, obviously, run that men's basketball did in 1997-98. That was a big one. Um in 1950, the Valpo football team went undefeated. Uh, the Cigar Bowl, uh, we'll write a little bit more about that in the coming days just because of Coach Cook and Bill Steinbrecher. Um, the world's tallest team got national recognition uh, for men's basketball in 1944-45, around that time. Um, but really, when it comes to multiple championships in a year, uh, it's happened. But Aaron, you're the historian of this place to a degree. Um <laughs> what this this and you lived through this year as a student but first of all when 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 i beg that question when i say is this the greatest year ever um does it have company is it the greatest year ever just your thoughts on that i mean it's looking through the history it's right up there if not number one um there were a few other years i pulled out and highlighted just for comparison's sake um one of which i hadn't even thought about until we started talking about doing this uh, the 100-year anniversary of the 1923-24 school year. Um, football and men's basketball both won their conference titles that year. Um, baseball, as far as I know, did not have a conference to compete in at that point, or there wasn't a conference title on the line. So from one aspect that year's teams went two for two, 100%. That's kind of tough to beat. That um, men's basketball team, by the way, um, they went 24-4 and four that year. They won their first 22 games, according to the records, and then lost four of their last six. Uh, and at no point, they, their biggest, I mean, they beat Campion College 11 to nine in one game. Uh, they exploded for 48 points against Eastern Kentucky. It was a season high. And looking at uh, most games, they didn't give up more than, uh, 20 points. It was crazy. Different time back then. Different time. 
Yeah, and that, that team's actually uh, got inducted into the Hall of Fame a few years back. Um, they were known as the Victory Five because we basically had five players who played almost every minute of every game. But as you said, that was a different era back then. I just thought it was interesting, especially being 100 years removed from that, that the, the two teams that could have won conference titles did. Um, but yeah, so the 0304 season, when you look at it on a whole, football wins the PFL regular season title. They shared the division title because the PFL was in divisions then. And then they win the PFL championship game. Volleyball wins the Midcon regular season title. They win the Midcon tournament title in dramatic fashion. Go on to the NCAA tournament. Um, you mentioned uh, men's basketball there in 0304 returning to the NCAA tournament after uh, missing out the previous year. So that men's basketball team won both regular season and tournament titles and went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, women's basketball, as you said, the their second straight year in the NCAA tournament. That year's team did not win the regular season, but did win the tournament. Um, and then women's tennis as well, to make it five teams with conference titles, um, rounds out that quintet. They won the Midcon regular season title. Um, as I was going back and looking uh, to try to see how this compared with other years on a purely numerical standpoint, uh, the 1969-1970 school year was actually the most prolific in terms of championship teams uh, in Valpo Athletics history. That year, we were members of the Indiana Collegiate Conference. You had football, men's cross country, men's swimming, wrestling, men's tennis, and baseball all brought home ICC ch championships that year. So that was six conference titles. Uh, 03-04 had five teams winning conference titles. And then one other year, kind of with a sort of asterisk, uh, had five championship teams um, in 2011-12, so about 12 years ago now. You had men's soccer open the floodgates by winning the Horizon League regular season title. Uh, men's basketball won a Horizon League title, setting off their magnificent run over the next few years. Bowling was not in a conference then. Conferences weren't really things back then for bowling, but they were one of eight teams invited to the NCAA tournament. I think you would agree. I would say that deserves to be right up there with a conference championship, given they could not compete for a conference title. Then They were the number one team in the country for a while there. And that, yeah. that alone is makes it one of the greatest accomplishments ever. They're in the hall of champions in the art. So if their picture's up there, they belong. Um, and then softball and baseball that year, both won Horizon League regular season and tournament titles and went on to the NCAA tournament. So a second year with five championship teams, uh, one with six. But yeah, I think 03-04. And again, like I lived through 03-04, but I lived through it differently than I lived through 11-12 as an employee of the university working closely with a number of those teams. And of course, 69, 70, I wasn't quite around yet for that year, but I think those are really the, uh, the three years um, when you look at it, that are kind of the most, the three most prolific we've had 31 years in Valpo athletics history that uh, multiple teams have won titles, but those three years are the most prolific uh, in the history of Valpo athletics. And what I think stands out to me about 0304, and obviously you see this in 1112 with the, you know, both men's and women's sports, and the 6970 year was just all men's sports. I just felt like 0304 was special 
because of the counterparts winning, right? Like football and volleyball won, men's and women's basketball won. And um, that football volleyball actually occurred on the same day, which... So, so yeah, that the, the 03-04, that's one point I wanted to make was there were so many stories that year behind... Um, behind so many of those titles. And I mean, you think about 11, 12 had a lot very similar, but the 03, 04 stories, just, you could go on for ages. You had football and volleyball claiming their, the football winning the PFL uh, title game. Volleyball wins the Midcon tournament title match in the, on the same day. Unfortunately, it happened on the Saturday of Thanksgiving break here. Both of those games on campus at Valpo football, Brown field, volleyball in the arc. Unfortunately, Thanksgiving break, not nearly the kind of student crowd you could have gotten had those happened while school was in session, but you had that. And then you have men's basketball, Homer Drew's back. You know, he had stepped down the previous year, 0203. Scott Drew coached that year's team late in the summer. Scott gets the Baylor job. Homer steps back into head coach and it's like, how's this going to go? Like, is, is he going to be, is it going to be the same old Homer? Or are we going to have the same success? And they return right back to the NCAA tournament. Then, as you said, the run of women's basketball, kind of three straight years there, and they're they were right in it in their NCAA tournament game that year. Well, and that's the thing. They, you know, they played Purdue that first year, then the uh, the the o two o three year, and kind of you know got blown out in that game. Uh, I think the final score they were with it was within a. 14 or 15 points I don't remember exactly off the top of my head but that game against Kansas State I mean that was a two possession game with like a, a couple minutes left to go in the game and uh, I actually had a chance earlier today to talk to uh, Jamie Stangle who was on that team and um, I told her that you and I were doing this and she said when am I going to be on the pod I want to be on and I said we'll do a 20-year look back um, on 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 your team uh, she scored 20 points again against Kansas State and then she started rattling off a bunch of stories. And I, did, I said, Jamie, we, we will save these for the pod. This is going to be great. So later on this year, uh, you know, as we get closer to the start of basketball season, we'll definitely have ESPN broadcaster Jamie Stangle on to talk all about that. Aaron, you were, I mean, you worked for athletics really from the jump, right? You were doing stuff with basketball. Uh, I, I don't remember when you transitioned over working sports information, working games. I do know and we know this because you finally you saw a photo of you in the stands. And again, memory has a way of tricking ourselves because like we we normally would have thought like, oh, well, you've been working that game, but you were in the stands. Uh, I was told by uh, J.R. Radcliffe, I had a conversation with him. Um, he was the play-by-play uh, -play announcer. He had told me that one of the fraternities kind of adopted the team, the volleyball team, and their their thing was every game they were going to wear white shirts. And there you are in the crowd wearing a white shirt. Do you have any memory? Uh, it's 20 years ago. You've seen hundreds of Alpo Athletic events since then. But do you have any special memories about that day of any kind? Well, I can tell you until I saw that photo, I could have sworn I was working the game. Because <laughs> um, I started working for Sports Info early in my freshman year of 0203. And, um, but I do remember, like, I was part of that volleyball student section the first couple years I was here because there were um, some more veteran Sports Info student workers that were kind of the go tos for volleyball assistance. So I was able to be a fan for my first couple years 
um, at volleyball matches. And it's funny, it doesn't relate specifically to that specific day, but I still remember like the first home volleyball game we had my freshman year was against Notre Dame and there were flyers in the dorms. It's like, oh, that might be fun. I'd never seen a volleyball match live. My high school didn't have volleyball. So I went, had fun, you know, started coming back to more of the games. And eventually I'd sit with a couple friends over, not in the student section at the time, just in the stands. And eventually, you know, one of the SIG apps who was doing the student section um, came over to us as like, hey, you want to join us and be loud and have fun and support the team? And sure, yeah, sounds like, like thanks for inviting us. And so I remember having a lot of fun and, you know, it's something I don't get to do much is just be a fan, obviously being in work mode a lot of the time. So I remember fondly those couple of years of, you know, getting to stand there and yell and try to annoy the opponents and, and all of that. Um, but that, that specific day, um, I don't have many memories of it that aren't kind of like triggered by photos. And I'm lucky in that I have access to our photo bureau here on campus with a lot of archival photos. Um, I think the biggest thing from, from that day is just being there because I had worked football earlier in the day. So I was just hanging out before the volleyball match. And I can't remember exactly how it went, but I remember I was there for when Karen Avery walked into the gym for the first time and the team saw her just over 48 hours after she had given birth to Alex completely surprising the team. They didn't know she was going to make it back. Um, so I just remember being in the gym for that. And again, I don't remember the specifics of it, but I just remember it being an emotional moment. And then, you know, poor Karen, like the most dramatic of volleyball matches, it goes five sets. It goes 15, 13 in the fifth set, just what she needed after her 48 hours previously. But I think that's the biggest thing is just not only the fact she came back to coach the match, but, you know, kind of being there to see the reaction of her players when she arrived. And later on this week on the victorybell.com, there will be a story looking back on the 20 years of that event. I've talked to a couple of different players already um, who are now mothers today who share their thoughts on, on what they thought about Karen coming back to coach then and what they think now after having had their own children um, and looking for, I will chat with Karen later on this week as well uh, to, to see if, if she even wants to, to go deep into that uh, while we're on the topic of Karen Avery um, amazing accomplishment for her over the weekend, becoming the all time winningest coach at Valparaiso university, passing Emery G Bauer, who, Oh, by the way, had three different sports that he was able to accrue victories for and she uh, she gets it done. I think, Aaron, you talk about being a fan. Never in my life with a Valpo have I been more conflicted of wanting a match to maybe go against Valpo this past weekend, hoping that one of these two on Saturday would maybe find uh, some adversity so she could do that at home. But the fact that they did it, got the recognition and then we'll honor her on Friday. Uh, just you've been there for many of these victories. What can you say about Karen and the fact that she's uh, toppled the, the, the most wins by any coach at Valpo? Yeah. I mean, she, she's been amazing for the volleyball program. She's been a rock here in the athletic department. Um, 
you just look, and again, it's not just about the wins and it's easy to pay that lip service, but you just look at the the people that program has turned out, their academic success, what they've gone on to in the years after graduation from Valpo. She's bringing in good people and having success with those, those student athletes. And I mean, it's incredible. You think about the number of 20 win seasons she's had over that time, like you figure every coach at some point is going to have a down stretch. And it just seems like when you might think they might be on the cusp of, you know, dropping off, she finds a way, she gets some new players in, they have more success. Um, You know, the number of 20 win seasons, I'm just making sure I have the number right. You know, she's in her first 21 seasons, 17, 20 win seasons. I mean, so four times she's won less than 20 matches. And this was a program which, you know, she she arrived. She was an assistant coach for a couple of years before taking over as head coach. Um, we had, They had had a stretch in the mid-90s where they had success in the mid-con. They won some regular season and tournament titles. Um, were winning 20 win games a year. But when she took over, the program had been under 500 the last five years. You know, this was it wasn't a matter of stepping into the the hot seat as head coach. And, you know, all you have to do is keep your foot right there on the gas. And that's it. Like she built this up and she built it in a way that is sustainable year after year after year. And some of the challenges she's faced along the way, you know, one year we're playing without a setter for most of the second half of the season. And the team goes over 500 in that stretch, a ridiculous accomplishment if you know volleyball. There was another time we had one healthy middle, and so she's adjusting our system so that our setter is doing some stuff the, a middle would normally do, and just thinking outside the box and having success in those instances, but just a sustained level of success and doing it the right way and you know, turning out good ambassadors for Valpo when they go out in the world has just been, just been tremendous. You know, I, I, I echo all of the things that, that you just said. Um, I I'm just looking back through the stats here and it just, it blows my mind that in all of the years that Karen has been the head coach dating back to 2002 as the head coach at Valpo, they've only had two losing seasons. And one of them came in 2019 and then the following season was that kind of crazy COVID year. And when no one knew what was up or down, left or right, and she and they had a winning season in that year. And um Yeah, but but that's that's one of like the four seasons she hasn't won 20 matches. And well, well yeah. it's kind of tough to win 20 matches when you only play 20 in a year, right? Yeah, yeah. So it again, I I'm very excited for the football reunion. I, and, and when we think about homecoming, we think about football. That's like the sport that it's built around. But I think this weekend with volleyball is going to be awesome to see Karen and, get that notoriety, that that recognition on Friday night. And then on Saturday to see that team get honored. I think that's going to be as special as what's going on at Brownfield as well. Yeah, I, I will say, like, I understand the desire to have been there to see the record-breaking win. But from our standpoint, I think this works out best. You get Karen her recognition, you get the 03 team their recognition, and you're not trying to squeeze all of this into one night. And just how how nicely does this all dovetail that, you know, we're going to be able to celebrate this with that 03 team back, you know, one of the first seasons with her 
in charge of the program, getting to celebrate that accomplishment that they were there for some of the first wins of. And Alex works with you, right? I mean, he's been he's been at all these soccer matches with you. What is that? What how crazy is that to see? We I mean, we watched him grow up, right? Crawling around the arc and all of that. Yeah. And now and now he's working alongside. How awesome is that? I mean, it's it's one of those things you don't if you if you're worried about thinking about how old you're getting, you try not to think about it too much. Um, but no, yeah, he's been helping out in the ticket office and with marketing and stuff like that. He's working the video board at volleyball matches. And, um, you know, I remember I what year was it? Oh, seven, oh, eight, oh, nine, somewhere in there where you were writing a story for the NWI Times on Karen and Mike Avery and. You know, I take you over to their house and my job while you were interviewing them was to keep Alex busy and, you know, let six year old or however old he was at the time beat up on me for an hour so you could get material for your story. But no, it's been great. And it's been great to see how he's jumped both feet into the campus experience going here, attending Valpo um, and helping out. In the, and he's a great worker and I mean, he has to be during volleyball matches because otherwise uh, he knows who he's answering to if he isn't. I remember that story when I went to their house. It was a fun story. And I remember, I think at that point, I had referred to Karen as the longtime Valpo volleyball coach. And she stared a hole into my soul and said, never call me the longtime coach again. And um, and now, you know, now we'll call her something else. We'll call her the winningest coach of all time. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll say she won all 479 of these games in five seasons or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, awesome. Um, Aaron, thank you so much. Looking forward to homecoming. It's going to be a great time. Sporting events all across the board. There's going to be campus activities going on all over the place. Victory Ale is going to be available. This is a beer that's been made specifically for homecoming um, by Tom Byrne is a part of that. Billy Marshall is a part of that. These are guys that, that played at Valpo and – and so see them out and about, see them at Duffy's, not an ad, although I would love it if Duffy's would advertise. Um, so I hope, Aaron, at the end of the day, you're able to to pop a victory ale and enjoy homecoming weekend the way it should be, like everybody else is going to do. Hey, I'm just glad looking at the weather forecast, knock on wood, it's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. So that always helps out. And so it's going to be great to see everyone back and hopefully we have some good results to celebrate. Very good. Aaron Levitt, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks.